Welcome to Pass the Mic. In this episode, Dana and Emil share their experiences and knowledge as Indigenous individuals deeply rooted to their history, ancestors, and culture. My name is Emil Neufeld, for everybody listening. I'm an Indigenous male in the CYC program of McEwen. I'm very, very happy that it's a program that exists because I believe it has given me an outlet to potentially help my Indigenous communities. From a young age, I've been dancing, I've been deeply rooted in communities all over the East Coast. I was a champion dancer, I was the head dancer. I taught so many kids, so many tiny tots how to dance and I enjoyed that thoroughly. I love that, I love seeing them hopping around and then you help them, you guide them and you teach them how to tell their own story because everybody has their own story and they want to let it out absolutely just the same as you. And it's, it's something that can be a bit of a struggle and we have a lot of stories to tell. Mm-hmm. A lot of parts of our history of our pasts and something that was told to me a long time ago before I was even on this path, potentially set me on this path while I was dancing, while I was out there was all the elders that told me prophecies of the seventh generation and all the healing that we will have to bring all the intergenerational trauma that we have to find a way to get ahead of so that we can, we can stop the cycle that's been rolling over our people, over our communities, a cycle of kids being taken away. That's still happening. Residential schools that didn't really stop there. We still have 70% of our kids in care are indigenous. 70% of our kids are indigenous are in, in juvie and then end up in prison. And it's, it's something that's, that's not fair. It, it comes from all of that history of loss that is written into our past, but not just our past, our genetics as well. Trauma is something that carries on not just from individual to individual, but through the actual genetics of our DNA, which is fascinating. When I first heard about that, I was baffled and blown away. I was like, what do you mean being in the flight and response, the fight or flight response can, can damage you in such a way? I had no idea. Yeah, so I'm in child and youth care trying to fix that. I'm someone that's a gamer. I play Dungeons and Dragons. I, I play online games with my friends pretty consistently. And I found hopefully ways potentially try and promote healing through storytelling, through storytelling in D&D and helping kids realize their stories and tell them. Wow, that was really deep. I had a lot of stuff come up for me. Um, oh. So when you were talking about, you know, like this whole idea of like, you know, all the kids in the system, all, all you know, all the incarcerations of Indigenous youth, like yeah. all of that, you know, like that's not new to me. Um, but yeah. it also like for me, it what it brought up was like, it reminded me of like why I chose to be in the program hmm. um, because I'm also on my own healing journey and yeah. lots of the per- program content is very triggering. Um, oh, it brings it's very. up a lot of stuff heavy traumas that like 
you're trying to break break forth of out of all this trauma that was set before you was set by, like your grandmother your your grandfather upon generation and generation how all do you, the way. you know what i mean how do you come to this point where you're like kate i know this is all this dirt and all this heaviness is not mine and it's not my fault but there's a lot of shame attached to that all these things that i'm grieving all these things that are really challenging and emotionally draining and all these things of that i find like that are really bleeding into like my schoolwork yeah my mental health all these things are so connected to the trauma that my cookum face that you know like generations that i'm still breaking free but it's in those moments of like little bit of lightness to see all this dirt coming out and how it is beautiful because it's almost like a cleanse because you're healing yeah. and that's, that's what's so beautiful but there's still grief in the process of it but it has to like come out somehow like all the youth all the people who are incarcerated all the indigenous people who are treated with disrespect I feel that all the time whenever I'm in class and even one of my fellow students does a presentation on indigenous peoples. Like I, I've cried during that when they've started bringing up the statistics and they start bringing up all of the, all the real facts. I, I, I just cry up in tear because there's like, those are just numbers and, I've been to many, many, many powwows and some of them you're doing dances for these families that have lost people. And in these powwows, it's all about healing and helping the community feel it, I guess, together as in unity and acknowledge that person and their pain. But yeah, those, those statistics always make me cry. They're just numbers and there's so many of them and you don't get to see the actual individuals because there's so many. And most of them are just young kids, young teens. And they're all impacted by abuse that has happened in their family from a long time ago. It's just the worst. Yeah. You know, the, the abuse that happens, it's like you have this abuse. What do you do with it? How do you cope? But what can we do to, to move through all of that, to move through this? I would say a lot of things that we can do as child and youth care workers. What can we do as indigenous peoples in the system? Well, we can do whatever we can imagine. Yeah. I personally would like to create a program that infuses something like D&D, &D, something that kids innately want to do and want to interact with, with something that helps enculture them. So doing something that, like creating a story around an indigenous creation story, doing something like Sky Woman Fell to Earth or something like that, and getting, getting the kids to play all the animals that Sky Woman is interacting with and having them be part of the creation story. That could be something that could be interesting involving D&D. D&D is a game that everybody works together to achieve a goal. And it's something that you can help teach people about histories, about stories. And I think that level of 
and and like it gives a lot more opportunities for kids to also experience things that maybe they're struggling with. I I want to try and use it to help bring culture back little by little while also potentially being therapeutic and developmentally beneficial as well and helping to enhance their executive functioning skills. Like a kid that would be struggling with like impulse control, you could give them opportunities for their impulsiveness to come out and give them opportunities to deal with their own impulsiveness but it's all in a safe place in their imagination. And I really, really enjoy that. Again, our imagination is what unlocks these opportunities. I, I, w- I really want to focus on the kids. But what can we do for our kids, our next generation, our future, so that they have a different, hopefully more strengthened view on the world and the narratives that they will face they are facing. They've been facing ever since they've been born, ever since they've been in a school, ever since they heard the first person use an insensitive native joke or use something to describe the weather changing. Like, oh, it's been it's been an Indian winter. Like the first time I heard that, I was baffled and I was like, Why does why is this a thing? Where does it come from? Is this supposed to be about Indian givers? It's supposed to be about indigenous people taking something back? Like we never did that. First time I heard that, it really bothered me. Another thing we could do is help remove ignorance from the world and teach people about Indigenous peoples and what we did do so that they don't use words like, or use phrases like Indian winter, because I feel like that can be a little bit harmful. I I just remember, um, did you ever like watch the Disney princess Pocahontas movie? Oh, God. Oh, did I? <laughs> oh, yay. Uh, yeah. Who doesn't love uh, let, let, let me just, oh my gosh. Like, when I think of that, I just feel so racialized. I feel like I'm, like, scum to someone's shoe of who I am as a person because of my race. Sometimes, like, like those terms are just so, like, binding to, like, how, how a person is supposed to look or be. And it's Honestly, when I first moved to Edmonton from my community, I really felt like I was, I don't know, I just felt like I had to prove myself more in a sense than everyone else. I've had to work 10 times harder because of my learning disability. I've always felt kind of like less, like you were saying about those numbers. I feel like those are daunting numbers of, of my people. They are. That I like, I'm like caged. I honestly don't like hearing them. I hate hearing them because I feel just no. then. It, it pushes that narrative on you, and it, it, it pushes a, a more statistical narrative on all those people's lives that were affected by all of, all of the past, all of the colonization that happened. It's dehumanizing just hearing about them. But it also does a, a good thing in raising awareness, but those numbers don't necessarily meet people on a human level. I feel like that's the part that bothers me the most. Yeah. I always feel like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but this is just kind of what I've experienced lately and just being in the program. I just have found, you know, when people talk about residential schools and they talk about it and the stories are 
pretty intense. Like they're yep. a lot and they're heavy. Okay. Yeah. I just feel like every time that it's brought up, I feel like when people look at indigenous people as a whole, they look at us like we're wounded people. And I'm not wounded. I'm healing and I'm healing just like any everyone else. And my fam yeah, my family's messed up and where I come from is messed up. But I'm just as equally gonna be as successful as anyone else yeah. in the world. When I was younger and growing up, I grew up in a lot of non-Indigenous locations that potentially might have been a bit more aggressive towards Indigenous people. And I got beat up a lot as a kid and called a lot of names. And I didn't understand why. I didn't, I didn't get that. That didn't make any sense to me when I was a little kid. And my brother and I got thrown in dumpsters. And we got beat up and I got chased home with a bunch of kids with a bunch of sticks. And I was battered and bruised. <laughs> and that's the kind of stuff we're contending with. That's the kind of stuff that some of our kids are contending with. So when you said earlier that it's, it's daunting, it's a daunting feeling looking and hearing those statistics, seeing and hearing what we're up against. Yeah, I feel that all the time. One thing I did learn in D&D is you just take one problem at a time, one step at a time. And it's just looking for where you can make a change, where you can create some difference. And I've been really, really lucky to have people along the road to help guide me and give me opportunities. Like I've had teachers that help push me towards attaining this education to get in the program in the first place. I've had teachers that help push me towards helping and culture others around me. There's, there's, that, there's that story you talked about, about feeling lesser because of the indigenous heritage and what people see in you and feeling that needing to, to prove yourself. What about times where that was like less so around and you had someone backing you up? Um, I've had people like Anna, and I'm sure she's been there for you too. Yeah. Um, I definitely have had other CYC friends yeah. and Kelsey Reed. Oh my gosh. She has pulled me through some tough time. I will tell you that. <laughs> yeah. And the way that that has come around is through things like reconciliation through people, again, removing that, that, that ignorance of what happened and replacing that with like curiosity. Yeah. And giving those opportunities for our youth so that maybe they will have people like Anna. They will have people like Aiden. Totally. That's another way we could help by raising that awareness. Actually, like talking to Aiden, I was like telling her, like, I really want to show her how to make panics so she can like, you know, if she's working with some indigenous youth. Yeah. Like, hey, I know how to make panics. Like, <laughs> Let's do some panic. We'll get some fried bread going. Come on, everybody. We're going to throw some butter on this. We're going to throw some jam on this. Hit it with some salt. It's going to be amazing. Maybe do some Indian tacos or something. Not necessarily you want to call them Indian tacos, but that's what they're just called. They're delicious. It's yeah. so good. I love them. But like the activity around that too, I think it's it's a beautiful thing when someone can even just making a food and just and like learning and enjoying each other's presence and like I don't know. I just let that. That's the core of CYC to me. Yes. That's the core. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Your gaming thing, oh, amazing that you can have that power and that passion. 
behind it to impact people's lives like that is that is like the core of cyc i always think of cyc as like as people we are swiss army knives we will do anything and adapt to the situation and that's the program i always like when people say like oh it's like similar social work i'm like no no, no i'm no, like we're meeting people where they're at exactly and what it looks like day to day in their life and in their life space like i love food i love food a lot cook for 10 <laughs> years i love food that was one of the main ways i reached my kids when i was at uh oh my god ben Rope society I was cooking for my kids all the time, and I, I made bannock for them, and I made Indian tacos, and we, we, we together made, I was making pretzels, and then one of my kids was like, yo, you should throw a hot dog in there, and I was like, hey, so then we, we, took, a, we took the pretzel dough, wrapped it around it like a pretzel, and we, we made pretzel dogs, and they were like, yo, these are pretty lit, they're litzels, <laughs> and that was my favorite part so far in CYC, I love that. that. The kids and talking so about simple, lists. right? Yes. So simple of a task. Anyone can, can do that. It's beautiful to me. Yeah. Cool. Yum, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, yeah. He made it jalapeno for sure. Oh, it's a jalapeno life. cheese sauce with these little dogs. And they're just mwah, so good. That's cool. There's something that just kind of came up for me. It's called, it just says, you are no longer caught in the idea that you are a separate entity. Your happiness and suffering depends on the, on the happiness and suffering of others. You see that nature, see the nature of the interconnectedness, and you know that to protect yourself is you have to check on the humans around you. So I butchered it, but I just think that is something that is so connected to like my roots and who I am as an indigenous woman and who I am out in the field, because it's, it kind of goes back to that where I come from and where my roots are and addiction and residential schools and trauma and abuse, because there's so much of that where I'm from. And there's so much around gangs. Like it's, it's just yeah. a lot of heavy stuff. So it's like, I really think about that, like how even you seeing a homeless man who is, who is indigenous i have seen so many of those people downtown our people are everywhere and when i see them i just think like that's a piece of me right there in that person that's a piece of me that's a part of me yeah. because they're suffering and what the what whatever their walk is that's a piece of me it's like how you were saying like like with the Pao and how like that one family like there's this huge connectedness and it's so spiritual and special with indigenous people that I've never felt with anyone else like I don't know but there's a different connection like I have a couple indigenous friends and the way we bond and pour, pour out our feelings and our heaviness is so different versus people of other ethnicities I don't know if you've ever experienced that but that's hmm. my piece I mean I believe we're incredibly passionate very soulful individuals and beings i believe that and i can see that in you from you uh -huh. it is quite lovely uh, i'm thinking about food right now i'm thinking <laughs> about food and its importance yeah. in our culture like feasts and gatherings like feasts and gatherings are important everywhere for sure 
it's it's also something that's important to our peoples. Whenever there's a a wedding or a meeting of two different peoples, two different nations, and then you have a, a Maui Omi, a powwow, a gathering. You always have a, a feast. Got me thinking too. Actually, in my community, when there's um, a death or a funeral, yes, community gets together. My mom is always like, "I'm making salads," or like, "I'm doing making sandwiches." Like, the community floods in together, and they visit together, and everyone's bringing loads of food for the families that are mourning or grieving. Yeah, and these are not the narratives that our kids are hearing. These are not the narratives that people are understanding from us. They're, they're the, the narratives they're getting from us when they see uh, people on the streets are like, are these, these people are, are bums, these people are, are dirty, these people are disgusting, these people are lazy. And all of those individual stigmas piss me off. Yeah, they don't sit too well with me. Because I've had arguments with people that just, they just don't understand. They don't get it. They just, they're like, oh, the government's giving more money to these lazy natives. And they, they're, they're not understanding all of the pain and all of the, whenever I get in arguments with people, that's, that's like one of the main things that comes up and all of those stigmas that come along with it. None of them, none of them are talking about all of these people as people, just socialized stigmatic ideas uh i really hate the narratives that's mainly what i'm trying to talk about right now yeah i'm just i'm just um my mind the wheels are turning here i'm just thinking about how like every time even like hearing you say that i feel like it's put on me like like how you said the number how like even when they talk about residential i feel like okay that's my that is my, I guess that's who I am. Like, this is what people and the world says that I'm supposed to look like or be or, and I'm like, and then it's like, well, I'm, I'm trying my best to like be myself, have a really good grounded and rooted identity of who I am. And I'm, I'm still finding my confidence in telling people that I am indigenous without having shame or thinking that they're going to think that, that I don't work or I live off of welfare or I just... Uh, like what's that one it's it it really bothers me that we live off of people's taxes that is a big piss off that one i think is the is the ticker for me um that i really struggle with that one the most because my parents work blood sweat and tears my parents have survived like a lot of shit and they've really hard for everything they have and to give me the life that i have so like how dare you say that my parents live off they work they pay taxes do they they work for everything that they have mm-hmm. and they're really wounded people so like how dare you say that we live off of, of people's taxes like i just don't get that sometimes when people yeah. say all about all of us like how dare you say that we're all like this we don't look at any other races as people and say oh they all look like that so like i think that's where the cultural humility comes in too right yeah and the reframing, not seeing that, because when I look at you, I see you as someone that is like a strong indigenous woman that comes from a long line of survivors, because that's what our people are. We've gone through a genocide. That's what we've gone through. We've gone through a, a cultural genocide. We've gone through literal genocide. We've gone through starvation. They took our kids and they tried to beat the native out of them 
beat it. And those that wouldn't let it go were killed, raped, murdered, and thrown in a hole, forgotten about. They're not seeing all those strengths, not seeing that, again, we're people that survived, not seeing all the, all the excellent qualities that we yeah. have, and they just put all these negative ones. And... It's kind of like society paints this picture of who and how and who we are and how we're supposed to be and act. Okay, like everyone is a special and beautiful individual. Like I just, I have a hard time with like how society views indigenous people because I'm like, everyone has something they can bring. So how dare society say that because I identify and because you identify as an indigenous person that we are less than, that we are drunks, that we live off of people's taxes. Like, I don't, I think that's where it's like, I really struggle with that because I think it's a lot of ignorance and racism. It is. As Indigenous people as a whole, as a whole, there's a lot of low self-esteem, shame, grief, and a lot of shame. I'm not going to lie. It's, I've personally had a lot of shame. My mom has a lot of shame. My grandma has a lot of shame. There's just so much shame and guilt attached to Indigenous people. Yeah, again, all those stigmas we talked about earlier, that's where a lot of it is coming from. A lot of it is from that that twist from not recognize us as survivors, not recognizing all of our strengths. And instead, they they take something else and they they twist it on us. And they tell us we're no good. They tell us we're we're not even like humans in some people's eyes. Again, they just walk by Indigenous peoples on the street and they don't even acknowledge all of the pain and all of the suffering of those each and every in, individual like i know it's it's tough and it's hard to do that like i i walk on the street and i can't talk to every single person out there but i do talk to a lot of people it's it's really sad that it like we can't see people as people on individual levels yeah i am beautiful even because i am indigenous i don't need to feel shame because i'm indigenous i need to feel proud exactly I did a, a workshop with a whole bunch of Indigenous youth. I had about mm-hmm. 20 or 30 uh, youth in there. And yeah. it was an opportunity for each one of them to share their story and talk about it. And everyone in that circle shared something. Everybody in that circle felt what the other individuals were feeling wow. as a collective people. And all of the stories that came out there were very, very tough, but told about very strong individuals dealing with it. And restoring that was one of the focuses of that, helping to shift our narratives, our, our views. That was the main idea there. And everybody, I hope, I know a lot did, leave with a feeling of knowing that they were stronger man people don't know what they're capable of essentially is because they, they they dealt with a lot of a lot of crap mm-hmm. i'm impressed by all those individuals oh that's very beautiful shifting to beautiful things i was just kind of like thinking as you were speaking i think the thing is too with you know all that heaviness and all the grief and oh it's heavy um i think the yeah it's pretty heavy um i just want to shift it to the beautifulness of the people and the cultural thing 
talent um, and the beautiful things that they adapted to to survive in the situations. My cookum actually, um, I was visiting her. She lives in Grand Prairie. And so she was telling me like long time ago, like she was actually attending a residential school in my community. And she was telling me, she told me she used to climb up these trees to look for spruce gum. This is spruce gum. It's very sticky. But she told me that long time ago, like they used to use it for boils, to treat boils. It's a natural medicine that is really amazing that our people lived off of the land and natural medicines and that right. versus like the pharmacy like that they really learned to you know use these things of what they had to help heal themselves like um but it's just interesting like that kind of ties into the food too like and living off of the land and learning to adapt to the situations and it's also interesting because i don't know if you know but there's a high rate of diabetes within oh, um, yeah. these populations. Um, yeah, we're very susceptible. We don't have the genetics to handle that. We also have the, We don't have the genetics to handle milk. Like it's not no, part of us. Okay, no, no. Before, like we were colonized, white man came. Excuse my language. They yeah. didn't have like any sugar, sugar or anything. They had natural sugars like Saskatoons or like really natural berries. So, or spruce gum, like my cookum said she used to climb up because it was sweet. It was, well, she would eat a little bit of it, right? So it's like our systems and our roots of who we are and, you know, our ancestors of where we came from, they ate probably like meats, right? Like of animals to adapt. Awesome, to meat. Right? So it's like, I just admire that old way of living. I don't know. It's just so beautiful. Living in harmony with the land is something to admire. Absolutely. I remember when I first started in my first year of child and youth care and I had, um, I kind of felt I was also like going through a transition being in like university coming from like a really small school in a small tight knit community. So like that was a huge transition. Yeah. I just remember like feeling that I had this huge weight on my shoulders because I had the band behind me. Yeah. I had, you know, all these statistics. My mom always telling me, my mom was currently, like she was at the time living vicariously through me and like I had making sure I, I had to please her. And then I also knew I was like indigenous and I knew that I had to like, I, had, I just felt like I had all these weight on me to be successful in the universe. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm not one of the first ones in my family, but I know like, as Indigenous people as a whole, you and me being here and having this conversation through this, through Anna and, you know, the program, it's huge. It's huge. And I totally acknowledge that. Yeah. Being in the program, I'm always like, okay, like, I'm not doing this just for me. I'm doing this for my people so that we can heal. We, it's not easy. Um, There's all these expectations and you're trying to meet them. You're trying to fill them. And it is a constant weight pushing and squeezing and crushing. Like a pinching nerve. That's literally what all of that feels like. Yeah. And then at school and it's like a, like a more of a pinching nerve. That's how sometimes it feels. And it's like yeah. this constant, like always like in the back of your mind. And you're like, oh my gosh. Right? I can't fail. I can't fail all these people who are looking towards me to do good. And, and I have to deliver at the end of this. I feel that all the time going through the whole four years. Something else you talked about was the learning disabilities. I have so many, I have like seven. And I made it to fourth year, which is pretty crazy. 
but oh gosh, I feel very happy. Like I'm gonna make it now. Yeah, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna be just okay. I'm learning to like love myself and accept my learning style. I actually learned that through COVID. That's actually <laughs> um, you know, it's actually very interesting because um how you were talking about how in how we learn like orally. Yeah. I actually told you know Rebecca. I actually connected with Rebecca about all the theories. Mm-hmm. And I told Rebecca, can you tell me them in story form? Because I do not understand them. But if you tell it to me in a story, oh, I got it. Mm-hmm. What you tell me and you tell me to read a textbook, you lost me. It's just finding what works for you. Because we're people that's different in how we have historically learned and operated. It's okay to, to not be the strongest reader. Because you, you are brilliant in other areas. You are probably more of an experiential learner oh, yeah. than most of the people there. Okay, yeah. You will learn a lot more in the moment of doing things. I think that's a beautiful tool because with kids, oh man, you can teach them a lot with, that, with one beautiful story. And it could be forever. They'll remember it even when they're older. Yeah. It'll on. stay there for sure. Because yeah. that's how we learn best is through these stories generally because again that oral tradition of passing on information talking about it and that's the main thing that was attacked when colonization happened they took away that opportunity for fathers for mothers for grandparents to be parents for grandparents to have that role in the community of being the storytellers and they just snatched that away and then instead they were replaced with drinking and alcohol and booze. How else did they know how to deal with all the grief and trauma? They took away the opportunities for the parents to be providers. And now they're stuck with all that guilt and all that shame that comes with. Yeah. It's really beautiful how our understanding and like how you're talking about storytellers, like we did that like for classes, uh, like that would be so fun, right? Like the learning design would be so different learning through storytelling absolutely but yeah those kids that are put in residential schools again they begin to think everything that their 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 family and their teachers thought was wrong and the only way to do things was through the the colonizers way it's something that they were innately also not particularly good at so they also felt in a lot of cases more inadequate and lesser than because of those schools and then that carried on to their kids and it is that perpetual cycle of again the trauma yeah through the generations mm-hmm. yeah changing learning that sounds like a really excellent way to tackle things being a survivor like their ancestors okay, <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah definitely i think honestly though like what i'm learning is I have to heal myself along this journey. And like my journey of CYC, it's also taught me of how I'm going to be able to help others. And you're here now. And there is so much strength in that. So much strength. More than what people will ever realize. More than what I can ever realize because I don't know your story to the full extent. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Mm thinking and thanking those ancestors gives me a lot of 
it fills my bucket thinking about my mother and and all the work she does to help fill other people's buckets and teach them and I haven't danced in a really long time because I've been pretty busy with school. I haven't danced since like I was 23 and I'm 29 now. I think dancing. Whenever I hear the drum beat, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, hey, oh, hey, 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 yeah, hey, oh, hey, yeah, hey, oh. You know, that fills my heart with so much pride and so much let's go <laughs> attitude. I love it. Maybe making yourself some tea, making yourself some indigenous uh, food, like bannock. I really love bannock. Uh, haven't made it in a while. I think I'll probably fry up some bread at some point, maybe in the next week or so. Dancing, which is number one. I dance a lot, or sometimes just wiggle. Uh, praying and thinking about all of your ancestors and where they came from to get you where you are now. Because we're always standing on the shoulders of people that came before us. How all connected we are. Even though it's very individualized and in how it's portrayed. Um, I think for me, like, um, when I had gone through, like, kind of like being, started to be disconnected with my parents and mm -hmm. my home community, I yeah. fully lost the language. And I didn't realize how much I actually knew of my Cree language. And, and it really reminded me how, how much a language can really help keep up any culture alive. Yeah. Um, just hearing it, hearing someone speak Cree, it's really comforting to me when I hear anyone speak that language. It's Cree because I grew up hearing it. My parents speak Cree. Mm -hmm. And then when I stepped away, I stopped hearing it. So I like, I lost a bit of the Cree. Like I didn't realize how much I actually knew because I, when I hear it, it just fills my soul somehow because yeah. I don't hear it normally. It's much. like poetry. Yeah. I can agree with that. Being in the same house as my grandma, who was like yelling in Uluwizik something to me. And I'd be like, I don't know what she specifically <laughs> wants, but I can understand that I need to go and do two different things. But yeah, That's just so hearing the language. Yeah. Um, because uh, when you say that, you're like, I kind of don't understand it. Like, I'll be like visiting my cookum, and she'll be like, she'll just start t talking to me in Cree, and I'm like, cookum, like, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> like, she's just full on trying to have a conversation oh, yeah. with me in Cree. Just hearing the language feels really nice. Do you know any of the language? Unluwizik. Yeah. That means, do you speak Mi'kmaq? Mi'kmaq. And then the response to that is moho, moho. which means no. Moho. Hmm. <laughs> do you speak Mi'kmaq? Moho. Moho. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, one thing I do want to talk about. Uh, so you've grown up and uh, you've grown up with your parents talking a little bit of Cree here and there. Have there been moments where you didn't know something was a Cree word and you thought it was an English word that everybody should understand and then you go into school or something like that and you say it and everyone just looks at you like, what is this person saying? It's kind of embarrassing. Like, it's funny though. It's funny, but I'll be like, oh, like certain like, um, not gestures, but certain like um, slurs or like 
certain there's like certain Cree things like a was like it means go away like ah say was like it's just like there's a certain accent to it. Mm-hmm. So I know that feeling. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, well, I, I well I went to school and I was saying things like jiggy, dub a dut, and like meowch, and people were like, "What is this person saying?" And I was like, "These are the English words, hello." And then they're like, "Those are not English words," and it was just a culture shock to me because I was like, "What do you mean? <laughs> These are natural yeah. words that everyone should understand." Because I yeah. didn't I didn't know there was any difference between them. I just thought we were speaking a common tongue and that they could understand what I was saying. <sighs> I think what happens for me, what has happened, I'll think of the Cree word in my head and I'll want to say it, but I'll catch myself and be like, oh, that, that's that's Cree. That's not English. So then I, it's never happened. I honestly feel like I still have a little bit of shame. Like if I pronounce a Cree word to someone like a CYC friend like I almost feel like embarrassed I don't know why because I think I have to talk with a certain accent to like pronounce it properly but really why should I be ashamed it's not it just feels a little bit shameful because it's not normalized right I haven't heard it and it's not that I'm ashamed of my language I think it's really beautiful and I want to know it more but like I it just I have those weird emotions when I talk about it yeah whenever I say thank you to someone I generally try to follow that with a will all in just to just to inform them that like this is generally how we say thank you it's just an informing thing it's like i say willallen thank you very much i appreciate having your time yeah i think i just have to do it more and feel to feel more comfortable cuz i have like shared my language to a few of my friends but i just i always feel like it's not as valid or like like i don't know how to like say the language with more confidence i guess i think it's my confidence that really plays into that i feel that too but it's our language these are our people's words we can wear them with a level of pride and distinction it, we can own it it's 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 not something we all have to do but it's something that i do strive to have the opportunity to say "walalin" or something like that or tell my friends what a potato is in Mi'kmaq, which is dubadat we're eating dubadats today and they're like what's a dubadat and i'm like potatoes (laughs) they're like can i pet your cat and i'm like you want to pet my meowch what meowch is that her name no that's the Mi'kmaq word for cat interesting i think Um, that's so silly (laughs) it is silly For potato in Cree, I think it's called la potagua, la potagua, for potato, la potagua. Like, I'm not pronouncing it right. I know there's a certain pronunciation to say it. When I was younger, I was, I, I said like, oh, I have a jiggy on my back or something like that. And they're like, what's a jiggy? And, and it, it took a while to, to inform them that a jiggy was a, a scab or something uh-huh. like that. And they're like, What? Like I have a I have a bit of a wound here. Stop poking me. I'm a jiggy. Hello? None of you understand. That was one of my most surprised moments of a culture shock when I was a little kid. I think I'd like to end it about talking about some of the beautiful things that our heritage brought us, that our heritage, you know, gives us to our day to day. Something that I, I really, really super enjoy and and love is the community approach that our people had to living with one another. 
when I'm outside and I'm, I'm talking to people or, or I'm just hanging around, I'm not just seeing like individual people all the time. Sometimes I'm, I'm seeing a community of people with individuals attached. It's more of a community perspective. It's more of a us. That's something that I really enjoy. And I'm, I'm happy that my mother managed to give to me through all the powwows, all the ceremonies, all the gatherings of nations and the dancing and the feasting. It's the respect to see everybody in the community as a whole and not just as individuals. It's the opportunity to, as a youth, respect my elders and go and get them a plate of food whenever we're feasting and make sure they get the food first as protocol would dictate. It's knowing what kind of man I want to be, what kind of hunter-gatherer I am, protector. It's having the spirit of a buffalo, a herd animal, someone that looks out for their herd, looks out for the unity of everyone within it. That means so much to me, and I'm very thankful that my mom, my grandparents, my community and my people and my nation, Budladuk, Chapel Island, First Nations, the Marshalls Clan, the Moose Clan, the Webinaki, Webinaki, People of the Dawn. I'm very thankful for having been raised as a strong, caring, thoughtful individual. Yeah. What I've really learned to like love about myself that's connected to my indigenous heritage is the fact that we learn through stories and that's connected yeah. that goes to the togetherness right mm-hmm. i think that's so beautiful like as people like that's how we learned to like gather and to be together and to tell stories so that you know it just those stories are passed down from generation and generation and taught yeah. and it's just it's just something that goes so beautiful and natural and smooth and i love that i come from such strong people who have also learned to adapt to not so nice situations, but they are survivors, and that we come from many ancestors who are survivors. You're just as strong as all of the ones that came before you to help bring you here, to help carry on the tradition. Their blood goes through your veins today. All that strength, along with all that grief and all that loss, you hold it, and you have the power to keep to keep their memory alive and to tell the stories that they can no longer anymore. Oh, I felt like I needed to hear that. Yeah. Thank You're the you. beautiful product of those individuals. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So, Willalio, thank you very much. Thank you. I enjoyed this conversation. It's it's nice to chat with someone who can, like, get down to the nitty-gritty and be like, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. We have big hearts as Indigenous peoples. Oh!